Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. And we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty. Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it. Now let's get uncomfortable. Okay, welcome to yet another episode of I'm Uncomfortable as per tradition. Before we delve into this very intriguing topic that we have today, Vanessa and I share what's made us uncomfortable recently. And today, we have a special guest to join us into the uncomfortable zone. So to teach us about the topic in question today is Dr. Michael Aquino. Um, He's not only an orthopedic and pelvic health doctor of physical therapy, fancy, but the founder of Deconstruct Health, Um, So, which he'll get into further shortly, but he also just happens to be one of our childhood friends. Say hi, Michael. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've given you a brief introduction to our guest today, What's made us uncomfortable this past week? How about you start us off, Michael? What's made you uncomfortable this week? Well, like I was mentioning earlier, there's lots of things that made me uncomfortable this week. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I'm going to say something that won't get me in trouble professionally. So Let's try to do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Things that made me uncomfortable this week were... I don't know. I, mean, I have chronic pain, so I guess that makes me uncomfortable every day. But that's, oh, I can go, that's one of the reasons why I specialize in what I specialize in. So. There we go. Okay, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> well, for me, today I actually took my second COVID test. Um, so that's always uncomfortable. If anyone's had a test, they know how uncomfortable that is. So that's pretty much it for mine. What about you, Vanessa? Um, I'm torn between two things, so I'm just going to say both, because why choose America, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) The first thing is that my butt hurts so much (laughs) from sitting. I'm really looking into getting a seat cushion, and like my search engine knows. It's been suggesting different butt cushions to me (laughs) this entire week, so... Screw you, Alexa. Um, And then also while preparing for this episode, I kept typing slash saying pubic hair out loud (laughs) instead of the actual topic. So with that being said, today's topic is one I know little to nothing about, but probably should. But lucky for us, we have an expert with us today to talk all about it. Welcome to the show, Michael. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Hi, everyone. So then Melissa already introduced me and said I was a physical therapist. So yeah, I specialize in chronic pain and pelvic health. So we're going to delve into the pelvic health portion of what they're interested in learning about and talking about today. Um, I own Deconstruct Health Physical Therapy and Consulting. I started it as a way, actually it was originally an Instagram page, and I just wanted to promote um, inclusive LGBTQIA plus information specifically for people of color. And that was my main target. And that's always been my main audience on my, all my social media pages. Yes, so Michael's here to talk to us all about pelvic health and why it's important. But let's start off with what is pelvic health, since Vanessa has no clue. Hey. <laughs> and, what, and why does it make people uncomfortable? Yeah. Because all of 
this whole show is about putting ourselves mm-hmm. in uncomfortable situations and talking about things that are uncomfortable. So what is pelvic health? Yeah, so pelvic health is such a broad term. So what I'm going to do is come at it from the perspective of what I treat and what I look at when I'm addressing pelvic health. So I look at the muscles and nerves, the ligaments of your whole pelvic floor. And basically, the pelvic floor is composed of all those things, muscles, nerves, fascia, um, ligaments, the bones that make up the pelvic area. So we're just going to talk about that, um, what their major functions are, what they do, and why they're important. So basically, we're just going to cover generally peeing, pooping, and sex. And (laughs) we're going to mainly focus on the pelvic floor muscles because a lot of people don't even realize you have this whole bowl of muscles down there that help... Yeah, it's basically a bowl, and it helps with, it basically supports your organs down there, all of your genital organs. It helps, um, yeah, it gives you the function for peeing, pooping, and sex, and also all the fun stuff that you have to deal with. And what people don't realize is how you pee and poop, um, how you're engaging in sex can really affect what these muscles do and you can actually be really inefficient or efficient at using them so i'm sorry <laughs> that's what i'm, so I'm going to focus on today it's a pretty fun topic so you're telling me that i potentially am an inefficient <laughs> defecator like i don't poop or pee correct i mean yeah listen. like that can happen oh well, yeah like you'd be surprised i work with people and they've been pooping wrong their whole lives or they've been, like, urinating wrong their whole life. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Help me. How do I poo right? How does anyone know that they're pooping or peeing wrong? So you don't know because it's something that, like, comes naturally, right? You're supposed to just know how to pee and poop. And normally that works until maybe something comes up health-wise that right. eventually all of these behaviors add up over time. And then this disf- and then it creates a dysfunction or pain and you end up with something you don't want to deal with. And so hopefully this can be preventative for people. Or maybe if it, you're going to catch any stuff you're already doing and you're like, oh, shit, I need to change my stuff. Oh, wait, are we not allowed to curse on this show? We <laughs> could cuss. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I am. I was already excited for this show, but I am like 10,000 times more excited. <laughs> and when, when we brought up the idea for this episode, I, I asked Melissa what pelvic health was. And she brought up the idea of Kegels. And I was like, WTF are Kegels? So, she doesn't know what Kegels are. Yeah, okay. I feel like maybe I know. But okay, so what? Well, are, are they important to my health? Because so, I got made fun of for not knowing <laughs> what these are. So, so Kegels or Kegels, I honestly don't know how to pronounce them because everyone, even all my professional colleagues pronounce it differently. But we'll just say Kegels since that's how you started how you started pronouncing it as cool. but basically um, kegels are a pelvic floor muscle contraction and so imagine the bowl and you're just squeezing the bowl so if you're trying to stop urination midway that's you're doing a kegel to have to stop it if you're holding your pee or your farts in you're doing a kegel because you're you're contracting the muscles to avoid any leakage of gas or urine leakage. out of your body oh my god wait can you yeah. <laughs> can you like hold can you contract it and hold in a fart like too many times, and then like you get a cramp. Uh, I mean, you can get like uh, like abdominal pain because you're just holding in all the gas. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like that's why people end up like that's why when you finally relieve the gas, it relieves all that pressure that's being placed on your abdomen and just in your rectum and everything down there. So that's why a lot of times when people are constipated, they can develop low back pain too because all of that poop being held up in your um, rectum is pushing against your spine and creating all this pressure against it. 
And that's why when you poop, it relieves it all. And people tend to have, like, less back pain after that. Oh, my God. You're so, shitting like, me. Yeah. There's, like, all kinds. <laughs> yeah. There's literally. <laughs> yeah. So I should not be constipated in order to relieve my back pain. So constipation can be a contributor to back pain. It's not. I'm not saying it's the only thing, well, but okay. it's like it can be one of the things. Fair. Constipation can also cause you to pee more often because if your rectum is really full, it's pushing against your bladder, and so your bladder has less room to expand, no. and so you have to end up peeing more often because you don't have as much room in your bladder to hold urine in. Wow, I'm learning so much. Wait, so like, should I should I be actively trying to do a, a kegel kegels the kegels? No, wait. So okay, so this is where we have to talk about kegels. And, yes, give um, us the four one one, the one oh like okay. kegels one oh one. So like kegels are important, but also they're not as that important. Okay. So they're important for certain people, and they're certain for certain times in your life also. So like, I don't really promote people to do kegels all the time. Like, you don't really need to do them all the time. You're gonna be doing them naturally when you're having to hold it apart, holding in your urine, like things like that. Like you're going to be doing one to do that. Sure. The issue is, is when you start to develop dysfunction and also not everyone should be doing kegels all the time because they can actually, um, if you overdo them, they can actually cause some harm too. So you can overdo them and cause too much pelvic floor muscle tension. And then that can irritate any of your pelvic nerves. It can make it harder for you to relax the muscles. So some people actually need to, to learn. like contracting all the contracting. time. Contracting. So, yeah. So your pelvic floor muscles always are at a resting state of tension, but they can be increased. Like the resting tension could be higher or it can be lower. So that's why. And we want that tension because you don't want to be pooping all over the place with no yeah. like control. And people, yeah. And so and people with, so I'm going to use gender neutral language because of, yeah, my background and everything. But people with vaginas have a more open system down there. So that's why it's a lot easier for people with, with vaginas to leak because things like a common thing actually around, I forget the stat, but it's pretty high. I remember it, it can be anywhere from like 20 to 65% of. Uh, people with vaginas that do a high impact sport have urinary incontinence so urinary leakage issues and they actually leak during their sport or during activity like running basketball dancing um yeah things like that wait but why because the pressure it's a pressure system so like it can't handle that high level of pressure and Mm -hmm. so you end up leaking but there's ways to improve that like you don't have to leak so you get treated by seeing a pelvic floor pt that can help you with improving your function wow. with your sport and doing things like that when so I you don't think leak. about when i think about an athlete going to see a physical therapist i would have never thought that maybe they would have been because that's part of training you know that it's yeah. all-encompassing yeah you, like crossfit athletes like leak like that's a common like issue for oh yeah like, i've definitely seen that before where people like <laughs> poop themselves when they're lifting yeah or pee themselves oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> this is amazing it's like a legit concern for people (laughs) so like learning how to better and it's not always has to do with your pelvic floor itself you might have to improve your form you have to improve your strength in other ways like in your lower body like you might have to improve your glute strength you might have to improve your stability down there so there's different aspects so you have to get like analyzed with your form how much strength you really have how much (laughs) dynamic stability you have so that you make sure you're performing these tasks efficiently so you're not putting it so that you're the pressure system isn't as high down there so that where it can't resist anything and then if you can't resist it what's going to come out is yeah <laughs> anything <laughs> so if you so you're so you're saying kegels aren't 
the thing to do all the time. Like, that's not going to yeah. be... A, okay, so how do I know if things are going wrong with my so, pelvic health? <laughs> okay, so some things that you want to pay attention to are, do you, are you peeing a lot? Like, and when I say a lot, are you peeing, like, multiple times an hour? Like, are you, like, feeling like you have to go pee even after you're done? Um, or are you not able to urinate on command? Like, do you feel like you have to strain and, like, push and, like forcefully push things out like your urine or your poop to like get it out there like is your urine like is the stream solid or is it like splaying like is it splattering all over the place like in terms of like when it first comes out of you or is it like really weak so you're looking at different aspects of that and then so then you'll need to get an evaluation to really know like what why it's happening but those are some signs of pelvic floor dysfunction are you having pain during intercourse um, are you having any burning? And you can actually have symptoms similar to a UTI when you have a pelvic floor um, dysfunction. So, like oh. with people like treat, they've been tested negative for UTIs, and they have painful ur- they have burning urination, um, bladder pain, and things like that. And it's, it's actually it's not a, it's not bacterial; it's muscular and nerve related. Whoa, that makes so much sense because when you think of like a UTI you think of the burning sensation and Mm -hmm. you would think that I would hope that the doctor that you're seeing and when you're testing negative for a UTI, that even though you're, you have those symptoms, they would hopefully recommend you to a PT then if that's, you know, so I'll let you know the the like the real. <laughs> okay, let us know because these are things these are things that yeah. I think people have no idea on what to. The, one of the things that I've learned from you is to ask more questions when I'm at mm-hmm. the doctors because a lot of people don't know. So let it like give us give us the tea. So like so like you all assume that like people be knowing everything that they're talking about <laughs> just because they specialize in it, but there's like specialties within specialties. So. Like a urologist Uh or a gynecologist, and they're going to know certain things, but they're not going to know certain things that pelvic floor physical therapists know. And so the ones who are in the know refer out, and they refer to pelvic floor PTs. Now, I've I've had a lot of things happen in terms of patients who have seen me is they had to go through multiple, like, they had to see multiple people or see them multiple times, Mm -hmm. get prescribed multiple rounds of antibiotics that weren't helping them Mm -hmm. and that messed with their digestive system caused them more like issues in the long run and i was one of those people too like i kept getting prescribed antibiotics for a whole entire year Ugh, and-, and luckily i was just like i'm over it i'm not taking this anymore because it's not helping me but um yeah so these people are being prescribed antibiotics for long periods of time and then they're finding out either on their own or eventually they meet someone they meet a doctor who can actually who knows about pelvic floor pt and refers them to a pelvic floor physical therapist oh no I mean, yeah. I've been through that before. Like with when I had that fibroid baby in my uterus that was like the mm-hmm. size of a grapefruit, it took like five years for them. No, that's too much. Maybe two to three, two to three years for them to figure out what was wrong with me. Yeah, Multiple right? ER trips, so many different things. And I feel like I just got lucky at the end because I was in the ER and the doctor was like, oh, well, you know what? Let me refer you to this person. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And the doctor at in the ER didn't even think that that was the actual problem. Low-key, yeah. I feel like he was just trying to shut me up because I kept complaining and demanding an answer. So right. mm-hmm. is there a way to figure out that you need to go to a specialist? As Just as a common person, how do I figure out, okay, yeah. I need to seek more help? 
I feel like if you so far, so if you have been getting medical treatment and you haven't been getting better with like medications or for whether it's urinary leakage or constipation or anything other things like that, just you can actually just go see a pelvic floor physical therapist on your own. If you, you have need a, a PPO, right? Yeah, oh. yeah. If you if you so a lot of so you either um, can you there's direct access depend on yeah. um, it varies depending on the state, but in California you definitely have direct access to a physical therapist. For at least 12 visits or 45 days, whichever comes first. And so um, some insurances require a referral. So then if you want to get if you want to use your insurance, then you'll have to go through a, another through a, a medical provider. Mm-hmm. But then once they give you the referral, you can just ask for one. You don't have to like wait for them to recommend it to you. You can just ask for one yourself like, hey, can I get a pelvic floor PT referral? And like even if they don't know what it is. There's like you could just print out like an maybe an informational sheet for them and be like, hey, this is why I want to see one. I was like, can you just give me a referral? Okay, it's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, because a lot of people and me inclu- and I'm pr- pulling from personal experience. It's like when I the way I grew up is you if you're in some sort you have some sort of ailment you go to your G- GP your general practitioner right and then mm-hmm. whatever they tell you is what you accept as truth right and then yeah but then a lot of times it's like you don't even really get because they're not specializing in specific um areas that may be bothering you and yeah I didn't learn until much later that you need to be comfortable with asking all of these questions because mm-hmm. that's going to be the uh the way that you're getting the care that you need so yeah but um I do want to transition a little bit um and talk a little bit more about deconstruct health, because I know that I gave a little bit of an intro and you did as well, but how does deconstruct health um, make people feel more comfortable with the idea of pelvic health and overall wellness? Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically like even how I'm, um, how I put information out there, I try to make it, I, I always try, I always make it gender neutral. I don't try, I do. I make it gender neutral. I talk about pathologies gender neutrally because a lot of people assume that um, pelvic health is for women or cis, cisgender women. So mm. um, people born with vaginas and uteruses, but it's for everyone. I was right. like, I'm a case in point. Like I had pelvic, I have pelvic pain. And so you can have pain with orgasm, pain, you can have pelvic pain in your testicles, in your um, vagina, in your vulvar area. Like it can be all around the area, bladder pain. So all of these like genitalia are, can, aren't gender specific or sex specific necessarily. So that's how I always try to make it very inclusive. And I always start all of my evaluations by just teaching people, hey, this is your pelvic floor and this is what I'm going to be doing. This is where I'm going to be touching if you give me um, consent. This is where I'm going to be um, assessing with with your consent, obviously, and let me know if you have any past trauma or anything like that. Because I do work with a lot of people who have been sexually assaulted or abused. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people who've had a lot of trauma to this area. And so it can be a very, it's a very delicate, um, like area because it's private. I mean, we didn't talk about this, but that's why people are so uncomfortable with it. Right. Nobody talked like nobody, like even your think about your sex ed class. Like mm. what? It was so horrible. <laughs> what sex like, ed like what class? sex ed class? Yeah. Especially <laughs> going to Catholic school, like yeah. what sex ed class, but like we just talked, we, we have such a stigma around our pelvises mm-hmm. and so many people hide things about it. And, 
Especially like if there is a stimulus to talk about, people don't want people to know that their junk is messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, like, when you say it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and it's not necessarily messed up. It just maybe is like needs a little bit of help. So, right. and so that's why there's just so much shame around it. And just imagine someone who is trans that may be experiencing gender dysphoria that doesn't want anything to do with their with with what they're deal with right. what they're having at the moment. So there's like so many layers. And that's why I started my own practice and started posting things about like gender neutral health, because I think it's so important to make everyone feel comfortable. And anyone who walks through my door should feel like they're going to get help and trauma informed help that involves like their emotions, their feelings, like what they're going through, because I've worked with people and a common thing for people with chronic pelvic pain, because that's like my favorite thing to treat is that everyone I've worked with has have has had high levels of anxiety and stress mm. and some sort and maybe associated with a certain trauma behind it. And so addressing that anxiety and stress um, helps with calming down the nerves in the, the pelvic nerves, helping the muscles relax more because there's just so much high stress and mm. high stress actually creates more like Tense. protection response. Yeah. yeah. Right, Tension. Right, right. Uh-huh. Um like cortisol response, adrenaline, um, inflammation, like there's all kinds of things that chronic stress can do to you that can, depending on where your pain's already existing, it can exacerbate it more. So if someone has low back pain and you're having a really stressful day and your back pain happens to get worse, yeah. I was like, people automatically assume it has to do with what they're, how they're sitting or how they're moving, <gasps> but it might just yeah. have to do with the amount of stress you've been dealing with. Interesting. Yeah. I always assume. I've literally just talked about getting a butt pad, like a butt cushion, because <laughs> I've been feeling lower back pain and just uncomfortable from sitting so long. Yeah. And it's funny when I did recognize that when you were talking about it, Vanessa, I was like, ooh, I've definitely sent because um, Instagram ads, they just come pop up and I've seen stuff like that. And I remember sending one specifically. I think it was a butt pad. And I <laughs> sent that video to Michael and I was like, what is this? Tell me what this does. This actually work? <laughs> so do butt pads work? Let me know. Do they not? I mean, it depends. Like I, I, I let people um, decide whether they really will benefit from that. But my goal is to make sure they don't have to use them in the long run because that part they shouldn't be a long term solution. They should be a temporary thing to allow you to just offload or alleviate. Um, your tissues for a temporary amount of time but if you become so used to just using that then you're gonna have a more sensitive bottom that like when you start to sit on other surfaces you won't be able to adapt as easily and then you're gonna what are you gonna do carry this cushion around with you all the time um like yes. I have patients who do that yeah <laughs> well no 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 not yes as in like that's what I wanted to do with the butt cushion yeah. I meant like um yes because it actually advertised that it had like a washable cover that came with it and handles so you could yeah. carry it around there's no. even a, there's a portable like a travel they one. want you to be dependent yeah, yeah. and so the things about these advertisements too is that they the information that they give isn't really information it's fear-mongering that makes people think their bodies are broken mm. and they're dysfunctional. And that's why I always tell people, like, your body isn't broken or your body isn't, like, dysfunctional, like, permanent necessarily. Like, your body is capable of adapting and it's capable of change. Yes, like, maybe you might have to deal with some of this dysfunction, but you can improve it and it can get better. Or you can adapt and modify as needed. And so that's what the goal is. The goal is always to modify, adapt, to improve, to get better. It's not to just stay, like and be feeling like you need like like you just feel like broken all the yeah. time okay 
I love that you said that because I feel so often that with health, we always assume that it's a destination and not a journey that changes where Mm -hmm. one day I'll be healthy or healthy is this. Once I get to this, I'll be healthy. That's it. And then I can stop. Yeah. And that's like the whole point of deconstruct health. So deconstruct health is to deconstruct the meaning of health. And like health isn't as simple as how it's been prescribed to everyone like health is a truly an individualistic definition for each person because all the patients i treat have chronic conditions and so i have to help them know i was like hey we have to be okay with where your health is right now and learn how to adapt to that too and how to improve from there and you might have to learn how to be okay with some of this discomfort but let's learn how to be okay with it together because i've learned how to be okay with my discomfort my definition of health isn't pain-free my definition of health is i can do the things i love the things i need to do i'm functional i can do i can have fun and that's how i'm gonna shed a tear (laughs) (laughs) beautifully said and such a great way i think to end our time today because at the end michael of all of our episodes we always talk about how to be okay with the topic we're exploring and i don't know about about our listeners, but I'm already feeling way more comfortable talking about a topic that minutes ago I knew not that much about. So, <laughs> and there's still yeah. so much more to talk about. Like oh, we I'm could spend sure. a whole day just talking about like sex itself, or just poop. <laughs> And I'm intrigued. Well, don't worry, y'all. We'll bring Michael back on for another episode. But can you share, Michael? Um, I think maybe in this case, something you mentioned earlier is that there's such shame or stigma around it. Mm-hmm. So part of it might just be you know, understanding that it's okay. So maybe you can give our listeners some tips on how to be okay with dealing with their pelvic health. Yeah. I think one of the main things to consider is, hey, even if you're dysfunctional, um, it's okay. You can get help. And it's finding providers that are going to treat you shame-free. So if someone ever makes you feel ashamed of that body area or of how you, of what you've been experiencing, that means you got to fire them. I was like, uh, people assume <laughs> that you have to keep the healthcare providers you have, but mm-hmm. you're allowed to fire them. Like, you can find someone else. Yeah. Trust, trust me, there's a plethora wow. of people out in the world. You don't need to be with someone. And that person isn't a godsend. Like, there's going to be other people there to help you. Are you talking about my doctor or, like, other toxic relationships <laughs> Uh, maybe both. <laughs> this is it. Your one stop shop. <laughs> I always feel like I'm going to my th- like therapy sessions in all of these episodes. But no, I think that's that's really awesome. I, I looking at health in that lens of that it's it's just like any institution that's been ingrained in our society Mm -hmm. so has healthcare and we've seen it in this one lens for so long and to at least be presented with other alternatives and knowing that there's other alternatives out there I think helps me feel more comfortable (laughs) and Mm -hmm. just knowing that I could fire my doctor if I'm not (laughs) happy with the way they treat me yeah Um, I don't have to stay with the same doctor that I have Mm -hmm. it's 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 nice to to know that but um, yes, yeah, so thank you, Michael. I, I definitely want to bring you back to talk more <laughs> of all of this stuff. Yes, <laughs> we definitely need you. I've learned so We're much. Just scratching the surface of all of this stuff. <laughs> so thank you for being here and teaching us uh, all about the importance. Well, not all, just a little bit about the importance <laughs> of pelvic health. Um, and we definitely appreciate this insight and perspective. So before we wrap this up, where can people find you and follow you? Oh, well, thanks for having me again. But okay, here's my handles. Um, at, <laughs> my Instagram one is at deconstruct.health. 
And mm-hmm. my website is www.deconstructhealth.com. And those are my two main things that you can find me. And then my email's on there, my business phone number. So if you, if anyone feels like contacting me or asking me questions, you can yeah. contact me over there. And I know that you do in-person consultations, but mm-hmm. is there a way that they can contact you if they're interested that, you know, I know that you're in the Southern California area, but do you treat, are you able to treat people from, uh, from different areas? So I can treat people, I can treat anyone um, for physical therapy in the California area, whether it's through video telehealth consultation or in okay. person. But if they're out of state, I can't treat them for like for an actual, con- for like as a physical therapist because I, my license is only within California. Mm-hmm. I can do like coaching or like any wellness type of service. Like if you want to get like coached on something or things like that, or even provided education, like that's okay. But I can't provide, like I can't evaluate you and treat you if you live in a state besides California. Good to okay. know, especially with COVID, tele, what is it called? Telehealth. telehealth. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said teleconferencing. I mean, I guess that. <laughs> It is <laughs> telehealth, teleconferencing for health. But okay, well, yes, great. Be sure to follow Dr. Michael Aquino on all of his platforms. And thank you again for joining us. And thank you all for listening to our show today. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate us and leave us a comment. And you can also follow us on Spotify and Instagram as well at I'm Uncomfortable Podcasts. And we release new episodes every Tuesday. So until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.